in lieu of paper, I have a laptop. SATs, people. SATs. You, you, there you go. You didn't come here to hear about SATs. Will it ruin the evening if I tell you I used to teach? No? All right. Well, this e it's going to get loud there. This evening I want to talk about something that everybody wants to know about. Relationships. Some of y'all looking nervous already. Like it's never going to happen. Um, my wife, Ella, is in the back. Well, no. She took Sophia. She, was she crying? Oh, bathroom. We have a three-year-old. Um, so we're, we have some friends, and we're talking with them about relationships. And I thought it was such an interesting conversation, such an interesting topic. Uh, they came to us. They said, hey, can you, you know, can you, can you tell us about our relationship? He has never been in a relationship as a Christian before. All of his relationships had been with um, girls who were not believers. He wasn't a believer. And, and, and she is kind of new to relationships. So they, said, they came to us and said, hey, can you spend some time talking with us about relationships? Well, we found it so interesting ourselves that I thought I'd like to share some of the different things that we talked about with you all. Now, I know that um, I'm not going to get through any of this uh, this evening, through all of it. So what I want to do is just kind of dump on you guys as much as I can. And I hope that you guys have Bibles. If you don't, I'll read verses. If you do, we'll get some volunteers to read verses. Um, some of what I'm going to say might be for a little bit of an older crowd. You know, you got how many guys are near college at all? N not that you have to be going to college. Trade school is awesome. People, they, they say now that people that go to a two-year trade school make about 10000 more a year than the average person that went to four-year college. Check that out. You know, your plumber comes to your house, and you know what you pay your plumber an hour, right? $90, $100, electrician. A man didn't go to a four-year university. Well, he might have. But, um, yeah. So when I say college age, I just mean you're probably 18, 19, 20, 21. You're of that age bracket. All of this that I'm going to talk about is useful, okay? So, and I, I, I like to promise people, if you, if, you, if you like notes and you can get my email, I'll email you my notes so you can have this information, all right? I'm, I'm big into computers. I'm on the nerdy side of the line. Uh, I like web design and HTML syntax. So, all right. Um, if you have a Bible, which I think everybody does now, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. And my job tonight will be to go fast, because if you talk fast, apparently it's less boring and more interesting. Um, and Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And I'm just going to throw a number of large points. So here's what I want to talk about. Okay, you ready? Um, if I can do page down and page up. Well, I want to talk about... Just, just start off with a general point. God created, and I'm going to talk mostly about marriage, and I'll tell you why in a second, but God created marriage and relationships, okay? Whose idea was that? It was God's idea. Now, if that, that assumes you believe God exists and that God created human beings. If we don't agree that you believe God exists, then we have to have a different conversation. But that's not what we're here for tonight, okay? Uh, so, number one, some people stop and, and ask, you know, are these feelings and this desire for relationship okay? We're going to talk about that. God created uh, those desires, um, 
I want to talk about timing. Timing is everything. When is the right time for a relationship? Um, I'd like to talk about being equally yoked. What in the world that means? It means it's a really famous phrase among people that study the scriptures, use scriptures, but it means a lot more than they usually use it for. Expectations. One word can ruin your life. Just want to talk about expectations. Uh, physical boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge. That's a huge topic. Um, how do you set them? What, what are they? Should you have them? And and I probably will run out of time before I even get there. Also, would talk about and these would all be in the notes. Getting in the game. Some people aren't in the game. They're, they're, they they don't. And that's more for individuals that are maybe up and you know they're getting on in years and wondering you know what's going on. Um, should I stay single? Should I not be? Um, looking for true beauty. These are all topics that we could talk about. And I know we won't get into nearly all of those, but I just want to let you know that I've got some information for you on all those topics. And I think all those topics could really, really help you think about relationships. Okay? So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Um, we're going to read one verse, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. Um, And the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to till the ground and to keep it. Actually, let's jump to verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good. What's not good? I don't know what English version you're reading from. What do you got? New King James, King James Version? KJV, NKJV? It's not good what? For man to be alone. Okay? I will make him a help fit for him or help meet for him. So who said that it's not good to be alone? Who said that? God did. Isn't that interesting? When God looks at people who are alone, in general, in general, God says, this is not good. This is not right. I've got to fix this. So it's God's idea that, that, that guys and girls, men and women, get together in relationships. Okay? Let's just bow our heads real quick. And, and ask God to help us use our time wisely tonight. Father, we ask that you would teach each heart, mind, and soul this evening what they need to know. Lord, you know every person in this room. You love them more than their parents could even. Lord, you know the questions they have. You know the, 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 the things they're nervous about. You know their dreams. Um, you know how they've been hurt. You know where their strengths lie. You know if they even know you. Um, you know what's going to happen in the future. Lord, I ask that you would help them to remember your word tonight more so than the things I say, um, that you would equip them through the little time we have together for their future and for relationships. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Is it wrong to want to have a relationship? Is it wrong to want to be married? Is it, is, is it wrong? There are, there are some people that kind of could get into that, that place in life where they're trying to serve God and give God all of their life and they have this desire and, 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 and is it kind of thinking to themselves, maybe it's wrong that I, sh I should want to do this. Maybe I should just um, not have these feelings. I want to just start off by saying God was the, the engineer, the creator of marriage and of relationships, okay? Uh, even of physical relationships and sexual relationships. That was all God's idea. Uh, and so that's a good thing. And so God says it's not good if you're alone. God didn't design you to be alone. And let me tell you something else. It's interesting. Look down at verse number um, 
I don't know. I'm going to read quickly from verse number 19. And out of the ground the Lord formed every the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called them, every living creature, that was the name thereof. See, we have work here before there was even a fall. God made work part of the ideal creation. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But look at this phrase. But for Adam, there was not found a help fit for him. It's interesting that God let Adam realize something was wrong. He's naming these animals. God's creating them. Uh, it seems to suggest that God created them in, at least in pairs, and Adam notices this, and, he, and he, something's missing. Something's missing. You see, the scripture says it's not good that he's alone. Then it shows you uh, God giving Adam work to do. Adam is naming the animals, and Adam's realizing, hey, I don't have a partner. I don't have someone that's fit for me. And then what does it say here? Um, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and clothed up the flesh instead thereof. The rib which the Lord God had taken from man um, uh, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And then Adam says, this is now bone of my bones. See, this, is, this, is like, this woman is like me. Uh, this is not one of the animals. Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. That might sound pretty obvious. Yeah. You know, leave mom and dad, be one flesh. Uh, but that verse has a very profound number of implications uh, for timing and for the fact that most people in our society today aren't into being one flesh. They're into being... Many flesh. In other words, one flesh means there's a, a man and a woman, and they're, they're together, and they have a physical relationship together, and they belong to each other. They don't belong to other people, right? They're not having physical relationships with other people. They're not six fleshes. They're one flesh, okay? Uh, society has totally rejected that. So just keep that in mind. Um, God chose not to meet certain needs that his people had. Instead, he chose to have those needs met through relationship. Did you catch that? God didn't choose to meet all of Adam's social and physical needs in the garden. He created a woman for Adam. God's will was not that he was going to meet all of the woman's needs, socially and emotionally and physically. She has, he had a husband for her. Does that make sense? Something to think about. Uh, and so, desires to be with somebody... Physical desires, those come from God and they're okay. As long as they're fulfilled God's way. Does that make a little bit of sense here? I'm just looking at Genesis chapter 2, some stuff to think about. Um, you're free to raise your hand and ask a question if you're brave enough. This topic you might be like, I'm not raising my hand. But if you want to, and if you're not trying to be funny, I mean, it could be funny, but um, you, can, you, can raise, you, know, you can raise your hand and ask a question here. If, you know, I don't know what this verse means. Why do people say this? So um, just throwing that out. Uh, I, I will say this also, and then we'll go to the next topic. In the Bible, um, well, here's the main point I want to make. In the Bible, you don't find a scenario where a person is dating a bunch of people just to kind of see what happens. Okay? In the Bible, you have the following words. You'll see someone who's unmarried or single. You see that in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 7. Um, you see a person who is engaged or betrothed. Remember the story of the Christmas story? 
Um, Joseph and Mary were betrothed. They were sort of engaged to be married, but they weren't married yet. And all of a sudden, what does Joseph find out? She's, Mary's pregnant. Whoa! It's a problem. Okay? It's a problem. Um, what would you do if you were engaged and you found out you were pregnant? Or you found out that your wife-to-be was pregnant, right? That would be a problem. Anyhow, so we have someone who's unmarried and single, someone who's a betrothed engaged, someone who's married, obviously, married, or a widow. Now, the Bible also talks about divorce. That's a whole other topic. Should we get divorced? Is that permissible? But the Bible doesn't present as a concept where um, you go sampling like you sample at a buffet. You know, you go to the buffet, and I like, you know, sometimes Ella's an awesome cook, and sometimes she'll make a meal where it's just a bunch of little things. And, And that's kind of fun. That's not the way God wants us to treat relationships. I'll try this person today and that person. That concept's not in the scriptures. And I'm just putting that out there that I, I want you to start thinking about that. Start thinking about what is God's concept of a relationship, a healthy relationship? What does God want to see happen in my life? Do I believe God exists? If I believe God exists, um, do I care about allowing God to lead me to the place in life where I have a relationship and, and things go safely and, and, and are healthy? Or am I just going to kind of go do what everybody else does and, and get hurt along the way? I mean, you're going to get hurt any time you branch out and stretch out, but I just want to put that out there because some people just kind of grow up and say, hey, you know, you get boyfriends and girlfriends and try people out and eventually, you know, something works. That's not necessarily the biblical concept, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about timing um, for that reason. Timing is everything. What is the right time for a relationship? Does anybody want to be brave and say, I don't want to talk the whole night. Does anybody want to be brave and say, the right time for a relationship is... Going once. Going twice. All right. Um, when is the right time? Let's take... Um, I'm going to give you a couple of verses, and I'm going to take them a little bit out of context, and I'm going to let somebody read these two verses. Somebody turn to Song of Solomon's Song of Solomon chapter eight verse four. I believe I got the right context there. Song of Solomon eight four. Now we're talking about timing. Okay, we just threw out the idea that God created relationships, the desire to have a relationship, the desire for physical relationship with a member of the opposite sex is is God's design. And I, and I will say initially here that the scripture teaches that relationships should be between um, a man and a woman. What do you do, by the way, and this is, we don't have time to talk about this tonight, what do you do if you're attracted to somebody of the same sex? Read about that. What does the Bible say about that? Let me, let me throw a suggestion out at you. Everybody listening to me? Um, the scripture teaches that God's design for a relationship is between a man and a woman. Okay? Now, there are all kinds of relationships that don't fit God's design. And by nature, the scripture says we're fallen. And so we naturally do things that aren't the way God wants them to be done. And so if a person, in my, my thinking, if a person is born with a desire for somebody of the opposite, the same sex, they need to respond to that, those desires, the same way that, um, let's say, a guy would respond to his fallen desires to have a relationship with every pretty girl that he sees. Does that make sense? God's desire for you guys is to have a relationship with one woman. Right? That's what the scripture says. I mean, we could spend more time talking about that. But any guy who's honest will tell you that 
he probably finds more than one woman attractive. Guys go like this. Right? If you go like this, you're lying. Right? That's, that's the way it is. And that's a challenge that guys face. And the, and the, the, the physical desires for men struggle against that, to not have their eyes looking at everybody. Um, you're born with that. You're born with a fallen nature. And so a, a guy is not allowed to say, my point is a guy is not allowed to say, well, I was born this way, I have these feelings, so that makes it okay. No, the scripture says we have to bring our flesh under control and do things the way God wants us to do. So in the same way, if a person has feelings for someone of the same sex, that's not within God's boundaries for relationships. So we have to say, you know what? God doesn't want that. We need to bring that under control and ask God for strength to have a relationship the way that God wants it and to seek advice or seek wisdom from God's word and to why that is. By the way, I don't think the research is conclusive that there is a gay gene. All right? And if you want, I can give you a, re- uh, a good website um, it's actually a secular website that has a lot of research about that. that you, can, you can look at that whole issue. Um, anyhow, I wanted to put that out there. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 4. And if I said anything to somebody, you know, if, if that bothers somebody, please come let me know. Um, I want to be sensitive about that. Um, the scripture, by the way, does not give us permission, I don't think, um, to, to be cruel to anybody uh, because of the decisions that they make. Uh, our Savior didn't do that. The apostles didn't do that. But you speak the truth in love. Say, look, this is, I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I follow the Scriptures. This is what the Scripture says. I can't support that, but I love you anyways. Let me introduce you to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Song of Solomon. Does anybody want to read that? Chapter 8, verse 4. We're talking about timing now that I'm off the rabbit trail. Oh, we had an book. Eight four. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Stir not up or wake my love till he pleases. That's a verse that often is read, uh, and, and depending on the English translation, it is often read like this: Don't stir up love, okay, until it's basically the right time for it. Until it's love is ready to awake. Sometimes we try to jump the gun in a relationship and, 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 and go into things before God's ready for us to go into them. Uh, another verse that has to do with timing would be Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. Was that Isaiah, right? Did you want to, you want to grab that one? Ecclesiastes 3, 1, since you volunteered. Okay, and you can go down the list of things. There is a time for a relationship in your life. God has a time for that. Tomorrow, I will be talking at the study. I don't know why I decided to do this, because I'm not qualified. We're talking about finding out God's will for your life. Talking about the will of God in your life. And it has to do with this kind of thing. Uh, when is the right time? There's a time for every, everything under heaven. There's a, there's a right season for everything. Let me give you some suggestions about when the right time for a relationship is. I personally was ready to get married when I was in seventh grade. I mean, I was ready. You know when I got married? When I was 26. But it was the right time. I actually remember finishing up a graduate program and having this feeling. I was in a relationship with Elle at the time, back in 2003. Having this feeling, you know what? I can get married now. Because... All of the major things in my life 
that had to get done were done. I had an education. I had an ability to make money as a man and provide for my family. Uh, I was old enough. Um, I wasn't trying to accomplish certain things that were just not really convenient in a relationship. And I just had this feeling that, for me, I could do that. It's not the same for everybody. But let me give you some suggestions for um, the right time. Two questions. When is the right time to court, to enter into a courtship, or if you want to use the word, to, to date? And I say that, when I say date, I mean basically enter into a godly relationship with someone um, who's a believer, although you're not necessarily courting. And I'm not going to spend time talking about courtship versus dating. Um, both of them should be on, based on godly principles. But when is the right time to do that? And then secondarily, when is the right time to get married? I think the right time to begin a courtship or begin dating is when a person, especially a guy, but also a guy and a girl, can be ready within a year or two to be emotionally and spiritually and economically independent. And I have a verse for that. You already read it. The scripture says that Adam called Eve woman. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. And what? Cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. If you're not able to be economically independent and emotionally independent and spiritually independent, then you can't do that. All right? You cannot leave your father and mother and then stand over here independently and cleave to your spouse and be one flesh. If you're going to be holding mom and dad's hand and holding your spouse's hand, because you can't pay your bills. Right? And if you can't take care of men, if you can't take care of your, your wife, then you know mom and dad might have to come in and give you some money. And you know what they're going to want to do? They're also going to want to keep treating you like their son and like a kid, because they're paying your bills, because you can't take care of yourself. And so then you can't live independently. And then you can't do what's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is fulfill God's mandate for you as a man to be the head of your home. God has given the responsibility to men to step out and lead and love. To get out front and say, God says to go this way, I'm going this way, come on, let's go along and let me love my family as Christ loved the church. By the way, leadership, biblical leadership is not, I'm the boss, everybody listen to me. It's not what biblical leadership is. What's your best example for, for, for leadership in the scriptures? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you ever see the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church? Headship is the word that's used, by the way. You ever see him bossing the church around? I don't see that. I don't see the Lord Jesus Christ is not pushy. He loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5 says that. By the way, who's your best example of submission? Scriptures give the responsibility and privilege to a woman to submit to godly leadership. That means she doesn't have to be responsible for certain decisions. She won't answer to God for certain things that happen in the local church or in her home because that's not her responsibility. Her husband will have to answer to God for those things. He can't blame her. The best example of submission in Scripture is also Jesus Christ. All right? He who was the highest, he who was God, submitted himself and became a servant. He's the best example for men and women to look at for what it means to be a godly leader and what it means to be a spiritual follower, a supporter, a team member. Now, you can't 
cleave, you can't lead, you can't separate if you're not ready to stand out on your own financially and economically, right? So what, what, when is the right time for that? It, it depends. Most of you guys, it'll probably be in your 20s. Now, there are some guys out there that are really in a unique situation and they've picked up some trade or something in their teens and they're just economically independent. Uh, but maybe they're not emotionally independent, mature. They just can't handle life like that. Uh, that's a whole other topic, being emotionally ready. But does that make sense? You know, what, what do you got to do? Well, you got to graduate high school, finish homeschool, whatever it is. Then you've got to do your trade school. That's two years. I mean, if you're 18, 19, 18 when you finish high school, two years of trade school, 20, 21, you got to probably get out there and get a job somewhere, 22. You know, you're going to be in that, that time frame. If you go into college and then go on into graduate school, you can be in your mid to late 20s. I mean, so just some basic things. Women, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. If your parents want you to finish a college education uh, or finish some type of education, you, you could be the same age. Why would parents want their daughters to finish education? What if you don't get married? What if your husband, Ella reminds me of this multiple times, what if your husband dies? You know, that happens. And then here you have a, a, a woman who now has to take care of children. It certainly helps if she can get out there and, and she can work and she can take care of her family. Now, there's a, there's a difference of opinion on, on what it means for a woman to be um, one who keeps a home and, and what that looks like today. And that's a, that's a whole topic that we can get into. What does it look like for a woman to be a Proverbs 31 woman? It's a pretty famous phrase. Today in 2011. Uh, it's a very interesting chapter to read, to, to look at. So anyhow... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time here quickly. I'll take about five more minutes. Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a phrase, and then I wanna, I'll bring up one other thing. Ellie used to tell me that she and her girlfriends would have a saying. They would say that the right, I'll say this for the girls, the right guy at the wrong time is the wrong guy. The wrong guy at the right time is still the wrong guy. Does that make sense? Guys, it's the right time in your life. Let's switch it for you. It's the right time in your life for married. You're, you're done with school. You got a job. You're in your early 20s. You know, it's the right time that you just feel like there's really nothing hindering you from being married. You 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 you, you search your soul. You really don't feel like um, we haven't talked about what it means to have the gift of singleness, but um, you don't think that God is is giving you that grace to be single and not worry about marriage, and you run into this girl. And she's just not the right girl. Maybe she's not a believer. Maybe, and there's things that we could talk about as to why the person's not the right girl. The wrong girl at the right time, the wrong girl. Okay, the goal is not just to get married. The goal is to marry a person that is, um, that is properly suited for you and have a God-honoring relationship. Flip side, if you meet a girl, she's awesome girl. She loves the Lord. You guys get along well. She likes you. I can't believe that. You know. She likes you. That's the amazing thing, right? That they like you. That's what you can't believe in a relationship. You know? You say, I like you. And they say, hey, that's cool. I like you too. What? <laughs> um, the problem is with some people, they like expect them to like me. You better like me. Everybody likes me. Those people you got to watch out for. But um, everything's perfect. But you're 15. 
Let me, let me tell you what I realized sitting on the bus as a ninth grader. All right? I was in ninth grade. I did all public school. I'm sitting on the bus. I, I had like two or three girlfriends that year. Ninth grade. And it dawned on me. I was a believer. I, I, you know, I, I, I can honestly say I didn't hide my faith. As a, as, a, as a kid in school, I matured into living for Christ in high school. I mean, there's just certain things you don't think about until you get old, a little bit older. But I remember sitting on the bus and it dawned on me, I'm either going to marry someone or we break up, right? Or I'm going to be with this girlfriend for like 10 years before I get married. And that's not going to happen. And I knew it wasn't time to get married, because, I mean, I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. And so I thought, well, so then any girl I go out with, I'm just going to break up with. Right? So why am I doing this? I must just be doing this for my own fleshly desires. That's what went on in my head as an eighth grader sitting on the bus. Adams Junior High School, Tampa, Florida. You know, probably three o'clock. Buses hadn't left yet. And, um, and so I made a decision in my heart that if that's what was going to happen... I wasn't going to go out with anybody until I was ready potentially to get married. Because I knew that I was just going to break up with somebody, and so that couldn't be God's will. That couldn't be, that would just be living for my flesh in a sense. And so I didn't have a, a, a girlfriend until, you know, a real relationship with a girl until probably sometime in college. You know, and that doesn't, didn't, didn't mean I was a little bit flirty, didn't mean I wasn't friendly. Um, but timing, I mean, just think about that, okay? Think about that. Um, there's a lot of things that we could get into on that issue. Um, can I go till 9? We're good? Well, so 9.15, so he said. Um, your, your parents calling me. Where's my kid? Um, being equally yoked. How many of you have heard this phrase, don't be unequally yoked? If you've, if you've been around people reading the Bible before and talking about relationships, you'll hear this phrase. Everybody turn to, we're going to do two verses. First, 2 Corinthians 6.14. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Now we're going to get into, I mean, we talked a little bit about timing. There's a lot more we could talk about this. Um, if, if you're not ready to, to leave your father and mother and cleave to your wife and be one flesh or cleave to your husband... It's, you, you're not ready to, to get in that relationship yet. Um, not ready to get married. But what about the right kind of person? I mean, what should this person be like? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says what? Who wants to read this? You're late. We've got two other people. You going to read it or? Go for it. Dwell. Excellent. Notice the word for. If you, have a, you don't have a pencil, law, you, you might have borrowed. When I study the Bible, there are certain words I notice that connect things and help me to understand why certain things are being said. It says, for you are the temple of the living God. That's why he says this. He's not just saying, don't be unequally yoked because we don't want you to have any excitement in life. That's not why, that's not why the verse is there. He says, don't be unequally yoked for, because, why? What's it say after the word for? 
Why should you not be unequally yoked together with somebody who is an unbeliever? For the temple of God. You are a resident if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. If you put your faith, your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know for a fact that you are not depending on yourself or your performance or your religious action or your, your, your life to get you into heaven. You're trusting Christ and Christ alone because you know that you don't deserve heaven. You see? If you think you deserve heaven, you're not on your way to heaven. Guarantee you. Only until you realize that you don't deserve heaven and that God loved you and gave His Son to die for your sins so that He could take your sin out of the way and give you righteousness that you could never buy, never earn, never measure up to, then you're on the right track. And we trust in what Jesus did on the cross for us, not in our own life. And when we do that, we place our faith in Him, the Lord exchanges our sin for righteousness and He gives us eternal life. If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have the Son, He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son does not have life. And the wrath of God abides on Him. If that's happened, you're the dwelling place of God. You can't connect with unbelievers in certain ways that ruins what God's goal was for you. Now, that's a basic, clear, plain statement. Don't be unequally yoked together unbelievers. I'm not going to talk tonight about whether that means you shouldn't have a business partner who's an unbeliever. It can get into a lot of different topics. But clearly on a, on a marriage relationship, almost all believers have said flat out, if there's any one example of being unequally yoked, it's that. Now, what in the world is a yoke? Is it what's in the middle of an egg? Don't be yellow-egged with an unbeliever. Yeah, man, come on. What does it mean? What does a yoke mean? What is a yoke? Right, y'all. Ain't you no know, farmers in here. If you use a farmer, you'd understand. A yoke is a wooden a piece of wood that you. If you have you been to Cracker Barrel? If you go to Cracker Barrel, you have to look for a yoke on the wall. It's a big piece of wood, and they'll usually have two U-shaped pieces of wood. You basically take two oxes or two horses or two donkeys or two mules. I don't know if they ever used goats. Me. You know? <laughs> you're, you're plowing Grandma's garden with goats. Me. And you, you, you connect them together so that when they walk, they pull together. It's kind of like tug of war where everybody is holding the same thing and you're pulling together. So you don't take a yoke and put... A little donkey with a big ox. Why? Because they, they, they walk at different paces. They pull differently. They don't think the same. You have two similar animals together. Got it? Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Interestingly, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. They would take younger, a younger bull and put it with an older bull. A younger horse and put it with an older horse so they could learn from the older experience. But they were similar so they could work together. Whose yoke are you wearing, by the way? Are you wearing Jesus' yoke? Or are you trying to have someone else in your life control you? Maybe the world's yoke? Anyhow, um, being unequally yoked. Let me, let me just throw some ideas out and then we'll close up. Amos 3.3 says this, How can two people walk together unless they are agreed of the same mind? You will have a difficult relationship with somebody or marriage if you're not on the same page. 
Let me give you an example. How many of you guys have heard, heard the statement, opposites attract? How many of you believe that? I don't even know what I should do about that. Nobody said anything. All right? You don't know. You've never been attracted to no. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I only like people like me. Well, you know, that's probably good. Here's what someone said once. Opposites attract, but people who are like you make for good marriages. You know why that is? Because, yeah, opposites satisfy your curiosity. When you're married, you have to live together. You have to spend money together. You have to, you have to look at their dirty clothes and, and smell that person, you know? You have to ride in their car and, and, and listen to their music. More importantly, they may or may not want to go to where the Lord's people are on Sunday. They may not care about God, and you might care tremendously about God. You have children together. They want 50 children, and you want none. That's pretty typical. you know. I just, but if a person's not a believer, I don't want my kids going to Sunday school. Mm-mm. They're going to get told all those fairy tales? No way. Psh. You ain't taking my kids to Sunday school. And now it's a problem. Now what do you do? Do you surrender your children to this person's desires for raising them? Or do you tear your relationship apart? Some things that, 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 um, that you can get into, some things can be worked through, but I'm just, I just want to set that concept in your minds. Uh, I'm skipping a lot of stuff on this topic, but guys, first issue, first question you should ask yourself when you meet somebody is not really are they attractive. I mean, that's, that's what's going to first enter your mind, but the next question is, hey, can we have a relationship? You know, you need to start thinking about it. Is it time? If it's not time, let me not go here. Let me use the power of singleness to serve God and to get it get where God wants me to be, but if it is time, is this person a believer? Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they love the Lord Jesus Christ? The world's going that way. If you're following Christ, you're going this way. Don't think you can have a relationship and walk in opposite directions at the same time. One of you will bend, and it will usually be the person that loves the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because the person that doesn't ain't going to turn around and follow Jesus just because you love him. That's your private thing. You do what you want to do. You see? And so then you have to decide between your own desires and the Lord. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, 16, 17, that the flesh, the body, wars and fights against the soul so that you can't do the things that you wanted to do. I'm telling you right now, I don't understand why it is, but I see young people all the time just throw that one to the wind. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? When you're, when you're thinking about a relationship, if you know Christ is your Savior and that person's not a believer, end of discussion. Right there. I'm telling you, take a stand. Don't be... Take a stand. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I took a stand when I was I went to public school, like a lot of you guys do, Tampa, Florida. wasn't a small town. I took a stand. If a girl wasn't a, a believer, done. I'm not, you know, she might have been pretty, and I might have like wished, wow, I wish that could be my. But I had already said in my mind that I wasn't gonna, you know, have a relationship anyways. But, but you see what I'm saying? Even when I was in college, it's not gonna happen. I know it's not gonna work. Don't do it. Just don't. Wait for God. Listen, God has everybody's telephone number. Remember that when you feel like there's nobody there for you. God's got everybody's telephone number. You know what I'm saying? You'll meet a lot of people. 
And that's the whole issue of getting in the game. You might not be going to the places where people that you want to marry are at. That's a whole problem of itself. But don't sell yourself short. God was the engineer of a good relationship. God is the engineer of marriage. God is an engineer of sex. It's best when it happens God's way. I've gone five minutes over. I'm going to stop. Um, maybe we'll find time again to talk more about this. But that's sort of the, the fast summary version. Um, anybody have a really, really pressing question? That's probably a dangerous question to ask when you're trying to close. I'll give my email out. I don't think anybody has a pencil in here. But if you have a phone or anything like that, my email is J. My last name is Gentile, like the Jews and the Gentiles. Jgentile at you. Well, just my name, Jesse Gentile at Gmail. You guys know what Gmail is, right? Jesse, J-E-S-S-E. Don't give me the girl version. Not, there's no I. J-E-S-S-E, Jesse Gentile at gmail.com. Send me a question and we'll answer it, okay? Or don't. Um, let's just bow our heads and pray.